find myself when I hear that praying that every one of those children and their families will know that Jesus they're singing about. And I want that for you too. We're talking about God with us, Emmanuel. Our theme has been, unto us a son is given. Our text tonight is Isaiah 61 and Luke 4. You can find these texts on page 737 in the Pew Bible provided where for you, and then later on at page 1021 in the Pew Bible. On Wednesday morning, my daughter Anna Bray and I were driving through Buckhead in Atlanta, and it was beautiful. The Christmas spirit, the nostalgia, the lights, the beautiful homes, the, the, uh, the Christmas cheer, it was, it was lovely. We were, the music was playing. We were you know, doing our jam, you know, and our Christmas jam and driving over this hill. And, and uh, it, was, it was just glorious. And, and I noticed over on the side of the road, there was a car pulled into a hedge against a wall. I noticed another car over here. I wasn't really paying attention. I just uh, was enjoying the... the Honestly, the nostalgia of Christmas and the beauty of it. And uh, as I got closer, I noticed that, that people were standing around and, and uh, some of them were starting to get out of their cars. And this one girl, most people were just driving by and I thought it's a, it's a fender bender. Uh, I didn't see it anyway, so I'm going to follow this line of cars and just keep on our merry way. Girl ran out in the road waving at us and, and my thought was, you know, there's a lot of people here who can help you and they're already out. Could you please move? I've got to get to where I need to go. Now, some of you are better Christians than me, but that's what I was doing. And then I look over, though. There's a man laid over, uh, unresponsive in the front seat of the car. I didn't see any of that. I didn't realize that in that moment, this girl is frantically waving trying to find somebody to help. I trust this man's alive today. Maybe it was a heart attack. I have no idea the story. But here's what I do know. In that moment, in that situation, Christmas gifts, Christmas lights, Santa Claus, nostalgia, couldn't address what was most needed in that moment. It couldn't fix the problem. No matter how cheerful and joyful and how good the gifts would have been, it's no bearing on what was needed right then in that moment. What I want to talk to you about tonight is the only one and the only thing that can meet you in your place of deepest need tonight. It's, it's not tinseltoe. It's not eggnog. It's a savior. And what I want you to see from this text we're going to read tonight is that Jesus Christ, the anointed one, is the only one who can deal with what we desperately need at Christmas time, which is not just a little cheer to feel good. We need a savior who can make war against hell and death and sin itself. 
We need a Savior to come who can deal with the brokenness and the shame and the sin and the rebellion of this world. We need a Savior who can fix what is broken. We need a Savior who can redeem. We need a Savior of a second chance. We need a Savior. And we have one. And tomorrow's his birthday. And he's talked about in Isaiah 61 by the prophet Isaiah 700 years before Jesus even walked the earth. Look with me, Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planning of the Lord, that he may be glorified. The brokenness in my own life and family and the burdens that I'm bearing on this night, and you are too, are not going to be solved by nostalgia. They're only going to be say, solved by the anointed one, Jesus Christ the Messiah, who came in the flesh. I noticed something recently. Somebody mentioned it, and I went and observed this and tried to figure it out. But the Book of Common Prayer, or the Book of Common Worship, doesn't really deal with much of the, the birth of Jesus. Not that that's not important, but they don't talk about manger and they don't even talk about uh, the virgin birth so much. They don't talk about shepherds or wise men or star. They talk about life and death. They talk about darkness and light. They talk about salvation from sin. They talk about being ready for the second coming of Jesus. In other words, they are talking about a Savior who didn't come to make us feel good and bring us a little cheer. They're, they're talking about a Savior who came to make war on Satan and defeat hell itself. And what we see in Isaiah chapter 61 is I think why the Book of Common Prayer does this. They want to draw our attention in worship to what we desperately need the most. I'm not taking away from Christmas nostalgia. But I'm saying that it won't meet your deepest need. Only the Savior of Christmas can do that. I want to ask four questions about our text tonight briefly. The first is this. Who is this anointed one that the text talks about? Now, I've given it away already, but I want you to see here that the Jews are in bondage in Babylon. Israel is in captivity and Isaiah prophesies, a servant is coming, and he's the anointed one, which is the other word for Messiah. And the Messiah is coming. 
And when the Messiah comes, this is what he will do. The, the Spirit of the Lord is upon someone who is going to fix what's broken, who is going to redeem the lost, who's going to uh, free those in captivity. There's, there's somebody coming. Who is he? Well, turn with me to Luke chapter 4. Flip the page 700 years, if you will, and watch what happens when Jesus the Christ shows up. We'll start reading at verse 16. Luke chapter 4, bringing at verse 16 on page 1021, if you want to look at the Pew Bible. And Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. In other words, he found what I just read to you. And here's what he read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, or the year of Jubilee. Verse 20, and Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. It was a drop the mic moment. Jesus stood up. He said, what you knew prophesied about some anointed Messiah 700 years ago is all fulfilled in me. I'm that person. Second question, not just who is this, but whom did he come to help? And the answer is sinners and sufferers. Did you see what was in our text here in Isaiah 61 and in Luke 4? These are the terms of those that describe those he came to help. I wonder if you fit any of these tonight. The poor, either physically and or emotionally or spiritually. The brokenhearted. The captives. Wait a minute, no, no one hears. No one hears in prison, you're here. But all of us are captivated, are captives to something. Prisoners of our lust, prisoners of our idols, prisoners of our hate prisoners of our addiction. We are all bound by something. He came for the captives. He came for the blind. He came for the oppressed. He came for those who mourn. If you find yourself in any of those categories tonight, take heart. You're the reason Jesus came. Kirk Sowers, I mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago in a prayer, was talking about how at Christmas time, for many, this is not holly jolly and happy and, and joyful. It's, it's painful. You ever noticed how many people seem to die at Christmas? Near Christmas? Ever thought about those who are most lonely or deprived of things they need and how painful that would be at Christmas time? Ever thought about the brokenness in families and how that's exasperated at Christmas time? 
Dr. Brian Chappell says that in Jesus's family tree, there's wood rot. Isn't that great? There's broken limbs in Jesus's family tree. There's dysfunction and heartache and pain and sorrow and regret in all the stories and generations that led to Jesus. And there is all of that in this room tonight. Jesus came for sinners who desperately need a savior and for sufferers who desperately need hope. Third question, what did Jesus, the anointed one, the Messiah, come to do? The answer is he came to fix what's broken. Did you see the descriptors here? It says that he came teaching. He was the messenger of good news. He came to bind up the brokenhearted, to comfort all who mourn, to restore dignity and hope to those in despair and mourning, to free prisoners, to bring sight to the blind, to bring deliverance for the oppressed, to bring justice where there is injustice. This is why he came. And then it says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, what, what is that? In, in Leviticus, it says that every 50 years, there was the year of jubilee. That's what it's talking about here, that every 50 years, if, if you had to sell your property because you were in debt, on the 50th year, it was returned to you. Your debt was wiped away. If you were in debt to someone, your debt was wiped clean in the year of jubilee. And what Isaiah is saying and Jesus is saying about himself is, I'm the permanent year of Jubilee. When I came, all your debts have been wiped away. All your sin, past, present, and future, all your shame, all your regret, all your brokenness, freedom, it's the year of, the, the year of Jubilee because the Jubilee Savior has come. That's what he came to do. He came to proclaim liberty. You're no longer in bondage. Fourth question and last question. What does this mean for us? And the answer is two words, and we'll sing about them in a few minutes. Comfort and joy. Comfort and joy. Comfort. <laughs> your Savior has come to release you from your debts. Some of you live tonight like you still owe a debt in, of sin. But if you've come to know the Savior, all your debt has been wiped away. Comfort. Some of you live tonight as if Jesus is your enemy and God is mad at you. But if you're clothed in the righteousness of Jesus tonight, God smiles at you. He sees holiness. Comfort. You don't have to shrink back. God is not disappointed or angry with you. He sees you in his son, Jesus. He sees perfection in you. Not because you're perfect, but because you've been made righteous by the righteous one. You don't have to wonder tonight how God feels about you because he sent his son for you. Comfort for you. Jesus knows us. He's not surprised by your sin or brokenness. He's not turned off by your sin and brokenness. 
You can't alienate yourself from him. He loves you. Comfort. Uh, Mark chapter 2. Jesus is eating with tax collectors and sinners. The Pharisees don't like this. Those are the bad people. They say, why does the, the, the Jesus eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus, hearing what they said, responds in this way. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. If you're in the category tonight of sick and needing a great physician savior, or a sinner tonight and needing your debt wiped clean by the blood of Christ who died and rose for you, you're the very person Jesus came for. Comfort. And then joy. This Jesus who knows what we're struggling with, this Jesus who has entered into the pain and been tempted and suffered in, in every single way we have has come that you might have joy. Joy of knowing that someone has, has come to forgive you of your sins. Someone has come to fix what is broken. Someone has come to restore what has fallen. Someone has come to redeem the fallen cosmos in all its forms personally and corporately, humanly, and in the, the creation itself, that Jesus has come to restore what is broken. That's what we read in this Isaiah and Luke chapter 4 passage. And that brings our hearts joy, knowing that he's making things better. And ultimately, it's going to be not just better, but perfect. Knowing that the work Jesus has already started, he's going to bring to completion. <laughs> There's coming a day when you won't ache anymore. There's coming a day when there won't be division anymore. There's coming a day when there won't be sickness anymore. There's coming a day when there'll be no more sin because Jesus started that process. He said it himself. Liberation that brings joy, real hope. Real salvation, real redemption, real rescue. He's going to fix it. He's going to fix it all, all of it, all of it. One of my favorite stories is when John the Baptist has been put in prison. Now, John the Baptist was like Christians par excellence, right? I mean, he was the man. He came preaching Christ. He said, the Messiah is coming. He was bold in his proclamation of Jesus. And then he gets thrown into prison by Herod. And John calls some of his disciples over and says, hey, I need you to go talk to Jesus. And I need you to ask him, are you really the one that we hoped for? Or is there somebody else coming? You know why that's one of my favorite passages? Because if John the Baptist is allowed to doubt if he's allowed to question, then certainly you and I can. And Jesus answers those who come and ask, and they say, Jesus says to John, go tell John. Go back and report to John, he says, what you hear and see. Now listen, these should sound very familiar to you. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. John, I know you're doubting. But when you see what I'm doing, 
and what I continue to do, you're going to realize I really am the anointed one, the promised one, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. I'm going to fix, and I am fixing, all that is broken. Uh, it, it struck me last Sunday morning, we do our normal pastoral prayer, and we have our list of those that we pray for who are battling ongoing illness or cancer. And then we add things as they come and go to that list. You've heard the same names over and over and over, sometimes for years. We didn't pray for a name Sunday morning. A name was taken off the list. Sometimes a name is taken off the list because that person is healed in this life. And we see the the redemptive, healing, rescuing work of Jesus come to bear physically in this life, and we rejoice over it. Sometimes we take people off that list because they've been ultimately healed, and they're face-to-face with Jesus, and they're no longer suffering. We have grieved the death of a daughter of this church, Lindsay Wright Edwards, who, with four boys at age 40, was taken home after a long battle of cancer. It was somber to me to know we kept her off the list because we're not praying for Lindsay anymore. God has fixed what has been broken. She's whole. She will never suffer again. She's face to face with Jesus and the anointed one who came to bring life where there was death now has Lindsay and she's fully alive. It's the reality of what Jesus has come to do. A sentimental, sweet baby in a manger, Christmas trees and eggnog cannot address your deepest needs, your deepest struggles, your deepest regrets, your sin and your shame. It cannot deal with death. It cannot deal with salvation. But Jesus the Savior can. And that's why he came. This morning, I went on Christmas Eve to uh, Best Buy. And you ask yourself, why would you go to Best Buy on Christmas Eve? And the answer is, because I'm an idiot. (laughs) I uh, meant to get a gift this week I was supposed to get, and I did my first ever curbside pickup. But because I'm an idiot, I was waiting all day yesterday for them to send me the email that said, come pick your curbside pickup up. And uh, it never came. So I got home and and Erin said, why didn't you pick up the gift? I said, they never emailed me. And so she went online and looked at it and realized (laughs) you're an idiot. You told them you'd pick up the gift on on December 30th, on that Friday, instead of Friday, December 25th. Which doesn't really, Friday, whatever, today is today Friday today Saturday third whatever I'm trying to say you're with me right (laughs) if if you pick up a gift on the 30th it doesn't help you for the 25th so I went into Best Buy and uh, I went in and and the reason I couldn't get my gift yesterday is because it's out of stock and they can only get it on the 30th so I'm in a little bit of a dilemma this is what happens when you wait till the last minute and so I went to look at another model of the same thing that I needed and uh it wasn't there, but then I saw one. They were all, of course, way more expensive than the one I intended to buy. So I talked to the person, hey, would you be willing to sell me this one for this price? And, of course, the answer is no. And 
So that, I did say, what if I find one cheaper? Can I price match? And uh, they said, yes, you can. You have to prove it or whatever. Well, anyway, I found one. And it was $30 cheaper and a better model than what I was going to buy before. And I struck gold. And I walk out of there with my item and I get in the car and uh, I'm driving home and the Christmas spirit is in the air. I mean, the tunes are going, I'm feeling it, and I'm so happy. And uh, I get on my street and I blow out my tire. (laughs) Instantly, Christmas spirit, gone. In that moment, Christmas cheer... Christmas carols, Christmas spirit, Christmas gifts, unless it's a brand new vehicle uh, or a new tire, I wasn't going to solve my problem. I needed what only would fix it, which is either AAA or somebody to come get my tire. You may not remember or may remember it was subarctic cold today. I left the car there. I'll go sometime next week and get it. I'm not going to mess with it. (laughs) The point is this. What I needed in that moment, Christmas cheer and nostalgia couldn't fix. What you need today, you're not going to find in a gift under the tree. You're not. But enjoy those gifts. You're not going to find in a Christmas meal. But enjoy that meal. Understand, as has been our theme this Advent, unto us a son has been given. And this son is the Savior who came to fix what is broken, to redeem what is fallen, to restore all that sin has corrupted in our lives and in our world. Sin and pain and sadness and brokenness and sickness and disease and death, as someone has said, they all have an expiration date because Jesus came. All that is sad will become untrue because Jesus came. And that, dear friends is what you need this Christmas. We're going to close, before we do our candle lighting uh, ceremony, with this hymn of response, because it says to us, comfort and joy. And that comes in Jesus the Messiah. Would you stand and let's sing, the words are in your bulletin here. Let's sing, God rest you merry gentlemen.